Ready. Hey, everybody. We back again. We're back. I'm Spencer, and that's our licensed clinical therapist, Naz. All right. And this is the Different Spectrums podcast. What? Where we talk about movies, shows, and mental health, and all surrounding those things. We also have some laughs, so don't take us too seriously. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. So with that, uh, today we are going to be talking about The Irishman uh, movie set in probably like uh, maybe the 50s, I think 50s, 60s, something like that. Yeah. Um, mainly about three characters, Frank Russell and Jimmy Hoffa, all played by... Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. Uh, we have three scenes that we're going to be covering today, um, all different. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about a couple of different metaphors for parents, friendships, siblings, um, and how they kind of all connect and um, just trying to get an understanding of maybe like our, our older generation. What they had to go through. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 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 So with that, let's get into the scene. But before that, Nas, anything before we get into it? So, uh, excited to do these. These are, there's some legit prime acting here. Uh, this is some of the better yes. acting scenes that we've seen. Uh, I know we do a lot of pop culture things, and this is getting to some of the best of the best. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and uh, Pesci, Joe Pesci. So we're going to check these out. Um, obviously, folks, continue to run up the likes, continue to subscribe. Uh, much appreciation for everyone that supports us and donates to us. Uh, let's check this out because we got a long talking because there were actually a lot of good metaphors in these, which we're going to check out. Plus the dynamics of family, relationships, and all that. We'll get into all that good stuff. Uh, let's do it. Let's get started. Enjoy the ad. Whatever it is. Chickens on sale. Chickens. It's like a Home Depot ad. There ain't no chicken in here. <laughs> what the fuck? I want a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Woo woo. It's Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> so, only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. I have one. Angelo has one. Now you have one. This is beautiful. I, I don't know. I don't want to say, Russ. It's a... Say it. Can slip it out. See how it looks. Feel good? Yeah. And how strong I made you, and how strong you're my kid. Nobody, nobody can fuck with you. Nobody. There's been a change. Instead of uh, going up right away, we're going to hang around tomorrow morning and then go up and drive up. 
Well, but I told Jimmy that we were gonna be up in the morning. I told Jimmy. I told Jimmy we were gonna be up in the morning. Why not? Why not? Because I would be there for that that, that, that meeting with Pro. What? That I'd be, be there for the meeting with Pro. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But what I be... What am I gonna do? I, we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta go there. I mean, I, I gotta go. I, gotta, I told him I'd be there. Frankie, we did all we could for the man. Don't call. Hey, morning. Hey. Morning. You want some coffee? No, I got it here. Hmm. I just sleep. Good. You? All right. As long as I'm total or cornflakes? I'm maybe uh, total. We're gonna take a ride up to Port Clinton today. I thought we were staying here. No, the girls are gonna stay here. You and me are going up and uh, we'll be back three hours tops. Well, what's in uh, Port Clinton? A plane. Playing it to, to where? Detroit. We're going to Detroit now? No, you're going to go to Detroit. And when you come back, me and you, we get together with the girls, we take a nice slow drive up with cigarette breaks, you know. tried everything to help him. You know that. You tried. 
He brought this on himself. And it's landing on us. The only reason they agreed to this was out of respect to me. But you and Rini will be okay. Because you're with me. Falling apart right there in the freezing fucking cold. Here from here. You getting scared now? Yeah, you stay here another fucking ten years, you'll beat me. That's the good grape juice. I can't eat it. I can't. I'll put a little piece. Just a little piece, I guess. That's it? That's it. I bought it, huh? Oh. <laughs> I bought it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy was a good man. You know, a nice family too, huh? Yeah. I never wanted it to go that far. I picked us over him. Fuck him. Magic creation. Big in me, man. Hey, Russ. Hey, Frankie. Where are you going? What? Where are you going? I'm going to church. Church? Don't laugh, you'll see. Don't laugh. Just me. Russell went to church. Then he went to the prison hospital. And, uh, and then he went to the graveyard. It's, and we're back again. <laughs> One more time. One more time. You got so two of them. We just watched. Shut up. All right. We just watched three scenes. Um, I'll talk about the first one right now. Um, so the first one was all about. Um, oops, definitely. <laughs> one second. <laughs> got this. Let me get out of this. The cookies came got back. This. Jesus <laughs> Christ. All right. So first thing that we did 
uh, was on uh, Frank getting his banquet for being part of the Teamsters. Um, this is a big scene because this is a big turning point, especially for uh, Jimmy Hoffa and Frank's relationship. Um, but then also you have Russell's relationship uh, with him too. Um, so there have been a lot of um, disagreements with Jimmy Hoffa and then also with um, the mobsters, right? And so they've been um, kind of feuding and um, Jimmy Hoffa was out as like the Teamsters or, or the union leader because um, he went to prison. And so they appointed an, another person. And um, it's funny because uh, Frank even told Jimmy, he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get a good feeling from this guy. I don't think, I don't think we should, you know, I don't think you should have him replace you. And then Jimmy's like, ah, I'll be fine. Right. And so once he goes to jail, he takes over, but then um, the mob really started liking the other guy instead of Jimmy because he just did whatever they wanted. Um, and so if Jimmy comes back into that leadership role, he's going to take away money from the mob. And so they don't really want to see that. Also, I'm pretty sure they just don't like who he is as a person. Too, yeah. As we I think they, some of the early scenes. they didn't like some of his swag and how everyone loved yeah. him, this and that. And they just couldn't get the juice out of him. They couldn't get any money out of him. Right. Cause that too. The other guy was just such a fucking turd. He was, he was. But um, so when we get to this scene, uh, Russell uh, is giving uh, Frank a ring to kind of be like, hey, you're part of the you're part of the group now, even though you're not fully Italian, which is like a big, huge thing for any like mobster. Like you have to be like full Italian in order to like be inducted into the mob. So. Um, with Russell, he gave him the ring and pretty much said, like, hey, see how strong you are? Look how strong you are. Which, honestly, I think that was, like, a really a big tool for Russell to kind of get Frank to um, get on board with the yeah. possibility of killing Jimmy Hoffa. Um, because uh, I think he really saw... Um, Jimmy Hoffa being part of Frank's family a little bit more than Russell. I think Russell also was a little bit jealous because Jimmy um, had a better relationship with Frank's daughter too. So yep. it's like, we want to be like, Oh, this is kind of like a, you know, a nice moment for Frank and Russell. But then you're also like, is he playing him? Is he, I think he's playing him right now, but cause he, he literally cuts into him two seconds later. Like, Hey, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do this. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's go with this first scene. What kind of made you want to go with this scene to break down? Uh, I mean, this is this is this is intense moment right now in the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. Jimmy's been ousted. He's trying to get back in as president. He's campaigning and doing this and that. And there's a beefs going on with other guys that are in there. There's, there's Jimmy. I'm not sure if Jimmy's Italian or not. Because when he's in prison, he tells the one guy, you people. Yeah, I don't think he's Italian. He's I don't think he's like Italian either. Okay, something. He's, he's something. Or or, or maybe uh, we are theorizing like he's not uh, Italian-American. He's more like the Sicily Italian. I'm not really sure. I wanted to look into what was the ethnicity of, of Jimmy. Right. But there's a lot of things that's going on where they he's not fitting in. 
And the mob's like, hey. Uh, so he, he's going to get the award, and then he wants Jimmy to present it to him. He looks at Jimmy at the banquet, and he said, I got your back all the way. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, Frank got his back. Like, this is this is for real now. People should be scared because this is the guy. Um, that's like legit murdering everyone. This is the enforcer. Right. And so that's intimidating. Uh, so Russell, right, gives them that ring, and they take that, you know, that Italian-American thing very seriously, right? They just had the guy whacked a few scenes ago that made fun of his pen. Right, because he was, you know, he, you know, they had him killed because he killed someone at this event. Um, so Russ, also, he was, ahead. he was like the younger generation, and yep. he was very like big headed. So he was like, yeah, send a message to not be this, you know, big like this, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he made fun of that lapel though, which was intense. True, because uh, he's Italian too. But then also he was doing some other stuff, which I'm sure they weren't cool with because they're probably also racist. And so he was having black folk in, and it was a oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, everyone's racist as shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but the scene itself, so that was more of the background. The scene itself, because you're right, it's, high, it's complex. There's so much shit going on. Um, there's negotiations going on. It was such a good metaphor because I've been in that situation where I'm looking at a student, a client. You know, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't tapping no one on the shoulder and kissing them on the fucking cheek. But you know, you know how strong I made you. You know, you know how smart you are now. You know what you're getting ready to do. You know what the possibilities are now, right? It's a very serious talk, and they're just kind of looking at you like they don't know if they're gonna cry. They don't know if they're getting ready to run through a wall. I'm gonna throw them out the window. Right. Just a, just a weird, a weird thing when I'm, because technically Russell's talking about himself. You know, you know, you're my kid. I made you right. like this. So it's a little narcissistic, but then also like most people get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get run into this with clients where, you know, they don't trust themselves. Like you'll say a couple good things or, you know, they'll see progress. And then you'd be like, how do I even know this shit's working? Well, I got trusted in myself being really good at my job. And I say, you trust me? And they say, of course I trust you. You trust, you know, I do good at, at my job and my work and my craft. Yes. Why well, faith in me? Thus, I have faith in you to actually learn from me. Thus, I have faith in you. So you're getting ready to conquer a whole bunch of stuff because I have faith in myself and my abilities. They'd be like, damn. But yes. Uh, that was one of those type of scenes for me. Uh, the other day, the other day, a human went, you know what? I don't know if I'm still anxious or if I'm just, you know, I'm pushing the shit down. I'm repressing it. And I said, what if you're just getting better and you're not as anxious as you used to be? Which she's like, you know, but but what if I actually am anxious and I'm just not worried about it because I'm avoiding it? I'm like, mother, can you just accept that you're doing better unless you're not having daily panic attacks? But what if I'm still hiding it? I'm like, I'm done with you. Very nitpicky. Yeah, well, they're worried that it's not fully completed the cycle. And I'm like, motherfucker, you've been in therapy for two years. Like, if you haven't gotten better yet, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, yeah. It was quite funny. I do believe that a few of these humans are doing better, um, but there's always there's always that what if, when will the other shoe drop type of vibe. Well, technically, I'm like in one of those modes right now. Uh, like there's a lot of good things going on, and then you know, whoop, 
Spencer gets sends me a text yesterday. Yeah. Up. Oh, getting his leg amputated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> At least then I'd actually know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but then you said it was the muscle pull. Uh, FYI, folks. Uh, Spencer pulled his calf or possibly tendon no, pop. I, no, I tore my Achilles. It's just I don't know how severe my tear is. Oh, you did so. tear it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's torn. Yeah. Hmm. It's torn. I just don't know like the if I need surgery or if I don't. Oh, um, God, I didn't know that. On its own. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So. Got it, got it. Totally tore it. Oh Jesus fucking Christ. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Fucking man with this boot on. I am fucking Yeah. Man. We're gonna be wheeling both you and Dan at the graduation. I know. I'm gonna be like hey. I'm gonna really play it up. Like, hey. I don't know why. I can give you a photocopy of his handicap thing. Yeah, I know. Hey, that'd be great. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, I, I get that. I get that when students are always second guessing, man. So it's it's scary. So very metaphorical. Mm-hmm. The next thing is, is it's just sometimes I think I'm trying to trick my clients, students, friends, I'm trying to make them think that I believe that this is going to happen. When part of me is like, this motherfucker about to die. Oh. <laughs> uh, I feel, I feel like Spence, you know, you know how that is. Sometimes you've done it with me and Colin and other folks. You're like, hey, everything's gonna be okay. Or your girl, your mm-hmm. girl, you do everything's gonna be okay. But in your head, you're like, <laughs> like we're fucked. This is not good. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing because it's fucked up. I know, right? It's just like, yeah, this is a serious thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, everything will be fine instantly. I'm like things will not be fine. Things. I know. It's kind of like for me though, sometimes it feels like it's a it's like a habit of me going like it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay and stuff, you know, like right away instead of kind of just letting it set in, I guess. And you wanna be understanding with them and make them feel a little bit better at the moment, but at the same time it's like, you know, some people just don't want that. They want you to be, you know, actually um honest with the situation and how you feel about it instead of just being like yeah it's okay it'll be fine it'll be okay blah 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 blah. so i feel that yeah i need the breaks so when people tell me it's going to be okay i need that because i'm going right a tunnel right to hell in my thoughts Mm. so if someone doesn't hit hit, put a speed bump in front of me i'm just literally just gonna go for a loop trip spence yeah What'd you think about the scene? Because I know, right? You, you, you actually was watching, and so you know there was some manipulation and shit like that. I specifically right. just love the, you know how strong I made you. You know your mind. He said, "No one fucking right. after this." Right. I thought that was good, but then also the scene is very shady. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think the only reason why I really said that was after the fact because then, especially like. A lot of Italians, like they just, or especially, I shouldn't say all Italians, but like, like when you see like the mobs, like they only answer questions if you ask it. They never, they always shut their mouth. And unless you ask him a question, just like how Russell's being asked by Frank in the next scene that we break down, um, where Russell's just kind of being like, we're going to go somewhere. He's like, where? Detroit. 
He's like, why are we going to Detroit? <laughs> why are we flying in there? He's like, well, we got to do something. And you're like, what? I'm like, come on, man. Just just spit it out. I know what you're about to say. Let's not, let's not, let's not mince words here. Let's just get to it. Um, but yeah, that's the only reason why I really had that perspective on anything like that. Because it was kind of like afterwards, you're like, was he playing him that whole time? And then you kind of see how like the camera always panned to him when Jimmy was dancing with Frank's daughter. And he looked kind of jealous and stuff. Yes. Yeah, he looked pissed. So you'd think it'd be like that just to be like, we have to get Frank on our side because that's that's our guy who's been doing a lot of, you know, killing for us and doing a lot of things for us. So we really have to make sure he's on our side or else, you know, maybe he'll turn around and be like, screw that. I'm not being part of this anymore. Um. But yeah, and that's the thing. It feels like every time you watch any type of like gangster movie and stuff like that, it's all about just surviving and just trying to make the right moves just to survive and not really, you know, like living or anything. It's mostly like I got to do this next job or else they're going to kill me. We talked about that, me and Pops. We're like, so they kept showing the montages and everyone kept getting shot and murdered like in 85, 89 and all mm-hmm. that and we were like this seems like a miserable life you're pretty much guaranteed everyone's going to die in life but in this right. you're pretty much going to die no matter what you're going to get murdered yeah. and pop said it's all about the ride mm-hmm. you just enjoy the ride and see where it goes and pops is speaking from experience and some things is yeah. just enjoy the ride and then you know it's going to end in this this misery what mm-hmm. movie was that from I was just watching something the other day. You said you're going to make a choice. Oh, it was from The Watchmen. You said, you yep. know, you know, it's going to end in tragedy. Do you still want to do this? And some of the mobsters, they got no choice. I don't know how it works with the mob and the gangs and stuff like that. But right. you're watching and you're like, this is fucking twisted. Maybe I would rather just be poor. Right. But I don't That's know. True. Maybe it's like the NFL too, though. The hell, the NFL, you're granted all these things. So you know, it's going to end up in tragedy. Is this going to turn your brain and your body into mush? I think also it's it's just like any type of gang we've ever seen ever. It's like a family um, or, you know, it's True. kind of like it feels like a family and stuff like that where a lot of these people. So, well, that's the thing, though. It feels like a lot of the Italian families, like they have, you know, strong families and stuff like that, or at least from what we've seen. Yeah. And it's like, well, why are you getting into this then? You know, maybe it is just because of the ride. Maybe it's just they want to, you know, feel something and want to. That's the only way they feel like they can actually get ahead in the world is yeah. with this, which is fair. But it's like at the same time, you know, you got to shoot like your so-called brother and shit like the next day or else they're going to kill you and him. So you're just like, what do we do here? What, what do we do here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which leads us into our next scene, actually. Yes. Yeah. So they were so Russell, um, Russell and Frank, they uh, took their wives and they are driving to Detroit for a wedding. Um, And so on the way to the wedding, they do pickups and all this. So they're pretty much just getting money from shop owners, like their percentage of what they owe and all that. And then, um, so finally, after the banquet scene, um, 
they were told Frank was told that they're going to kill Jimmy Hoffa. And so Russell made sure that it was actually Frank who killed Jimmy. And you're like, if a, we, it wouldn't have happened if I, if you weren't a part of it. And like, I did not. Would have. I did not see this coming, bro. I was like, okay, they're gonna no. kill him, and they're gonna have Frank no. there. No, they had Frank do it. Right, and you're like, okay, I, I sense a lot of bullshit, but I think Frank knows it's bullshit, and but he also knows that he has to keep his wife safe, his family safe by doing this or else they're going to kill his family and that's him. what pop said he said they're going to kill yeah. him if he doesn't do this so he has to do it yes and so he has to do it and it's not and i love the way he kind of says it. he's like hey i'm doing it because you know you're with me and i want to make sure that as long as you're with me you're safe aka you better do this or else you're not safe anymore um which is interesting because they're like older guys. So you think they'd be like, whatever, dude, like, this is my, that's my friend. I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to shoot him in the head inside this weird house. <laughs> so, Can't believe there's 60 year old men doing hits. I'm like, you ain't got no one else to do this stuff. I know. I know. It's like no new, no new people that can come in and they kill killed them all. And, I know. They did. They did. <laughs> you, 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 they all died. It's not a good yeah. occupation. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's not the best. Not the best. It's like, um, oh, how's uh? And when there was that one scene, he's like, "Yeah, we're having a meeting with Tony. Yeah. Which fucking Tony? There's five fucking Tonys. <laughs> so many Tonys. <laughs> you don't kill three of the fucking Tonys. I'm swearing too much right. now. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So yeah, this scene was all about um Russell and Frank and how Russell wanted uh, Frank to kill Jimmy. Um, which. In pop culture, Jimmy Hoffa is like, he's like one of the most well-known. My mom's actually a teamster. Um, yeah. He was part of the, she loved the union because that's just what it was. Everybody loved the union. Yeah. Um, and stuff. So um, that was a big thing. And then once he disappeared, everyone just, it's been such a big pop culture thing of like, what happened to Jimmy Hoffa? What is, what's going on? And then we kind of. They, I think the FBI or something said like, like his story doesn't follow through because it's actually based off a true story. So he, they were just like, eh, this story doesn't really follow through and stuff. But I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm gonna probably trust him before I trust the FBI. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, let's get into the scene. I mean, I thought this was a great scene to break down because it really shows you the perspective of like. You better do this or else something's going to happen to you. Like, and sometimes we're faced with those choices of like, we have to do something um, or else it puts the things that we really love or um, really care about might get taken away if we don't, you know, do certain things. Right. But it's not always going to be as bluntly stated in some other things. It's sometimes it's going to be that subtle where it's just like, yeah, hey, if you didn't do it, somebody else would, and you wouldn't have let that happen. It's like, how the fuck would he not let that happen? What, what? I think it was because if they had somebody else do it, then he would go against them. Probably and would. Be like, be like, fuck y'all. Like, how dare you kill my friend? 
and all this like whatever. well they would always but, yeah. have to worry that he would yeah end up killing one of them eventually yeah the only way out was for him to do it mm-hmm. and i didn't know like i said i was watching that i didn't know that he was going to do it mm-hmm. uh you know i was trying not to cry mm-hmm. uh it's tough it's tough to see someone like frank devastated like that that was tough right yeah yeah totally and didn't seem like anything really got to frank for the most part like because that motherfucker was in world war ii killing nazis like he's done a lot of stuff he's done a lot of stuff throughout his life and for him to really you know feel anything like that or even look like he felt like anything is a there's a test to how bad he really did not want to do this, did not want to kill Jimmy because he loved him as a friend and probably like closer to a brother. I would think closer to a brother. Yeah. It's intense, man. So I didn't, I didn't see that until now, but they were building Mm -hmm. up his character a lot to be very stoic, reserved, relaxed, cool, calm. When Jimmy was said, tell me, they were in the in the, in the in the in the hotel. Tell me what you're thinking. You don't never say nothing. And he's like, eh. you know, yeah, I got nothing to say. Whatever you want to do, I'll do. I got. He said, "Don't tell me." He begs him to tell me. He said, "That other guy, mm-hmm. that was the vice president of the Teamsters, the white guy that ends up taking over." He said, "I don't like him. He's a, he's a mm-hmm. he's a rat. He's stupid." Yeah, and he said, "Well, sometimes Jimmy goes. Sometimes it's good to have stupid people under you. It's easy to manipulate them, and and you know they're not going to try and go yeah. up the ranks, which they do. <laughs> uh, and so that's what really what happens. And so Frank was right on his assessment, and you know he rarely tells anyone anything. Doesn't speak up. He just knows his role. Kind of does his thing. I think he always has this insecurity or this imposter syndrome where he just doesn't speak his mind. I think." Mm-hmm. Maybe he thinks it's best for his family, but then, you know, he ends up getting further and further and further away from his family. I also think, for the most part, you have to, also with the times, bro, like, back then, it's like, I feel like a lot more parents weren't really talking and, you know, a lot more people were in that stoic kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, especially and it, like the dude fought in World War Two. Like I like, you know, he's seen some shit. So like he's just you know. Yeah, he's very different. And and it's just funny how he got to connect with Russell and because he did a tour or whatever through Italy and uh he learned the language or a little bit of it at least. And that's where they kinda got off on. Um and it was just through him being at a gas station. Gas like station's random. Was, yeah. So random. He was just like, Hey kid, like uh how can I help you? Oh yeah, it's just this little plug right here. Yeah, they just met at a gas station. Like, then they meet and at they a start sto- getting meat for him. Yeah, they meet at a sto- at a pub, right, where all the deals are going down because he's supplying uh, the stolen meat. Yeah. Life is extremely random. Uh, I will say that, right, if, if you take his character in opposition of everyone else, he's mm-hmm. even more reserved, right? Because not everyone, sure. everyone else was, you know, Jimmy was known for being a hothead. They said it over and over and over. So now you see how they're building it up because Jimmy mm-hmm. will go off on you. He's very right. OCD, like you talked about before, right? You got to be early and you or you, you need to be fucked being on time. You need to be early. True. And if you make True. him wait, he's going to flip out on you. He's so disrespectful. Like the yeah. one guy, he shows up. He shows up in shorts and a shirt. 
He, he said, well, we're in Florida. He's like, well, you know, why are you? I'm wearing, this is a business meeting. I'm wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. He's like, I don't give a hell if we were meeting here or there. I'm wearing a suit and tie. This is a meeting. Yeah. Uh, he's very specific and itemized and regimented. And I think if you're leading a freaking union. Yeah. That everyone wants to break up because you're demanding better rights for your workers, pay, insurance. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you need to you need to be obsessive. And we talked about this before in the pod. To be successful in many areas in life, you probably need to be a little bit more obsessive. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, your mom was part of the union. I mean, unions are a big thing. Yeah. Right now, they're trying to unionize at the school, the grad students, because they're vastly uh-huh. underpaid. Um, yeah. Where many of my students are eating like, legit garbage uh they're paid right. like there's some of the lead scientists in the world lead scientists in the world and they're getting paid like twenty thousand dollars they're getting paid eleven dollars an hour mm-hmm. lead scientists in the world they're mm-hmm. working some of the biggest companies in the nation some of the government contracts can't even talk about eleven dollars right. an hour and so these unions where you can ask for better wages demand things and maybe not everyone's good for the unions the, the unions being big is why flint end up getting shut down because General Motors like, hey, we're gonna send all this shit to to Mexico, and they did. So all the all the jobs left, right? Because it's cheaper. But let's get back to this scene. Yes, bruh. When when the metaphor is when you see Frank, he's like, hey man, we got to do this. We tried, we tried to help him. I tried to negotiate this, and Frank just looks at him the whole time. Yeah. He keeps staring straight, and then he'll look away, and his eyes get red, and then he'll, he'll look back at Russ, and then look away, and then, and then finally he sits back, and he does like a deep breath, and he's like, "Russ goes, I'm sorry, man, but this is this is the way." And you know he wants to say something in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wants to say something. You you're gonna you're telling me that I have to take my own best friend's life. A man I've been stuck to his hip for how many years now? Uh, the guy that actually not, okay, you hooked me up with Jimmy Russ, but he made me the president of this, of this union sector, right? I'm getting awards now. I'm making clean money now. Uh, mm-hmm. Respect, right? I'm just some punk that was stealing meat and there was a soldier. Bro, that's a tough sell. Yeah, it is. It is. But he has to do it. Has to do it. He has to, has to do it. And can't imagine the pain in that moment. Right. I, I and yeah, I thinking about it now, I kind of go back and I'm like, so a lot of the times when he did like killings or anything like that, he would they would at least face him so you could like see them and everything like that. When he kills Jimmy in the house, like it's from the back, from the back of the head. And so just to be like, just so maybe even like just so he didn't have to look him in the face to see the betrayal. Um, but yeah, that was a horrible scene because I didn't see it coming. Right. He walks in there. He's Al Pacino goes, "Hey man, this ain't right. We need to leave." Doop doop. Yep. I was like, "Damn, bro." Uh, I wonder what emotion De Niro tapped in for that. I mean, we can all tap an emotion for a ton of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. The, the the reason why I specifically chose it, there's the kitchen scene mm-hmm. where, you know, they're talking. So the metaphor here mm-hmm. is for being a little bit more regimented. So all neurodivergent folks, folks in the autism spectrum, 
many of us like, this is the time, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, this is this is how it was set up. And so a lot of folks don't like things uh, changing. I'm okay with most of it. Um, but he's like, hey, no, 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 we got a meeting with Pro at, at 2 o'clock. I already told him tomorrow I'm going to be at the meeting at 2 o'clock. I'm going to meet Jimmy there and meet Pro there. I got I to gotta be there. And he says it over and over. And he's not really understanding what Russ is saying. So that metaphor there, I think, is very common, uh, specifically when clients or students send me emails or their schedule gets massively changed. A lot of neurodivergent folks, it, most humans, transition is tough. Transitioning to school, most humans, a week, two weeks, they're good, right? Neurodivergent folks need at least two weeks just to bring it down from a 10 down to an 8, and then a little bit more time to get formatted and where they're going to eat, what, how, when they're going to sleep, do homework. It takes a while. But most folks are usually pretty good for like fall break, Easter break, you know, winter break. Those transitions right. are much easier because you know, it's fine. It's easy. Folks are neurodivergent, not all, but some. Transitioning back home takes time. Transitioning back to school takes time. It, it, it takes time, those transitions, uh, even though you know they're planned. Right here with him, there was a plan. Now it's being changed. What is going on? He's not only confused, but I think the way he responds is very neurodivergent. Um, and as we think about it more, it's probably trauma repression from the war. But his character would be the most neurodivergent out of all of them. Right. He would be. Man, a few words, doesn't talk much, small relationships, a couple relationships that he have though, deep, and would love and mm -hmm. die for them. Um, then you move to the next clip, same scene, but next clip, when they're mm -hmm. eating. And that's just the, like you said, Russ is playing the game. Uh, it's us over him, kid. And you're good because you're with me. That's really good metaphor right there from two sides. That's your family or like therapist or something like that or your coach, mentor, pastor. Okay, so that's coming from a loving, productive vibe and setting. But in this setting, it feels more like you said manipulation, Spence. It feels like, you know, yeah, yeah, I got you. You know, if you don't do this, I ain't got you. If you do this, I got you. And remember but that you would think like if you had me and you're like my brother, like a father, like why wouldn't you just not do it? Like why wouldn't or why would you make me do it? Work it out. Yeah. You like, know it's my best friend. Why I gotta kill my best friend? You're my dad. You're gonna tell me to kill my brother? So how does that make sense? Also, I will say I think this is a good thing because um with Frank he like we said he was a soldier and everything and he took orders and i think this is just another thing where he can all he has to do is just take orders and whatever do he does what he has to do um but and usually for the most part like all those people he had no connection with yep um or he didn't have any type of emotional connection i should say no. um but this is the first one that he's ever had like an emotional connection with that he had to had to actually kill and was told by the big bosses to do it. So I think that also plays a part in it of him um, having to do something because he's given orders and he's been doing it most of his life already, um, giving or taking orders and making sure to do whatever he has to do yep. to whoever he's working with. So. Reminds me. Hmm. Good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. 
Good soldiers follow orders. I know this is technically isn't the yeah. clones, but whatever. Even, that's even like. That's, that's, I mean, they're that's brainwashed like the too. New generation of stormtroopers. Yeah, I know it's the new. It's, I don't know which one. This is a new one. <laughs> he got a little patch. <laughs> he got some color in him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good soldiers follow orders. Uh, I was, I was thinking of uh, again some clients uh, and experiences where they're told to do certain things and they don't want to do it and they have to forego. Experiences, vacations, holidays, they have to forgo. I got students that are sleeping in the office. Like, this is some Twitter type shit. Like, they got to take their knapsacks and they sleep in the office. They wake up, they go back to work. Right. I'm like, this ain't right. Does your advisor know that this is happening? Like, you can't. But I have to because this is what needs to be done. And for me to graduate, I have to be a good soldier and follow orders. I'm like, these are not right orders. This is, this is, this is inhumane. Um, I mean, you can't even go home to your partner and like be with your kids and children. Uh, it's gross. Uh, very emotional scene. It can connect with a lot of people getting their boundaries pushed. Um, I had a friend once tell me to make the choice like this. And he said, it's, uh, it's me, your pops. I'm like, so you actually say I'm gonna pick you over my father? Like, get the fuck out of here. Person uh, that birthed you or this guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so I get that we 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 were dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the only relationship I've ever cried over too. I've never cried mm-hmm. over any relationship before, but this one devastated. And I've tried to make amends here and there. Um, it's been met with silence. It is what mm-hmm. it is. I've done my part to 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 tidy up some things. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. I get sad about it sometimes. But as my father would say, fuck them. We'll get that into the next scene. Because I choose us over them. True. Fuck them. Fuck them, man. I can't wait to be older. Uh, can't wait to eat some bread with a client and then say something like that one day. Or to be drinking my coffee or dipping my bread in a grape juice. Might have been wine. We'll get into the next scene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been there and it, to make a tough choice, it, it sucks. Um, to choose. My family has put me in those predicaments where I have to choose them over pops. Right. Or to choose them over my own sanity or safety or finances. I talk to this with my students of color all the time because they'll tell me, I go to all these things and all I ever get asked is now is how do I protect myself from my family? I'm like, Jesus Christ, all the shit in college you want to talk about? You know, I figure we're going to talk about white people hating you. Nope. They said, <laughs> it's it's my family uh, in the burden of being the oldest or the youngest or having to provide money back to them because of mm-hmm. poverty issues or having to translate things for them because they can't speak English that well. It's just burdensome for my students that are always dealing with their own shit. Then mm-hmm. they got to go do all this stuff back at home. It's too much. It's too much. And so uh, they always ask me, how do I set boundaries? How do I set limits without feeling like a piece of shit? And so I say all these things and you'll do this and you need to love yourself. It's like an airplane. When the mask comes on, you got to put it on yourself before you put it on someone else. 
I said, by the way, everyone's going to call you a piece of shit. If you protect yourself, people will call you narcissistic or selfish because you're not like giving everything away. Be prepared for that. Be prepared right. for the looks at dinners or banquets or reunions. Be, be. People will predetermine that you are less than, even though you're doing very well. In almost every facet, you're doing well. But since you're not like these other buttheads fucking up, something's wrong with you. Um, so my kids will look at me, and that's when they start to get really sad and cry because no one wants to be seen as a bad person in their family's eyes or their parents' eyes or their siblings' eyes because they're not going back home enough or not talking to them enough. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic that a lot of folks are in. They have, they're almost forced to choose everyone else over themselves. I've done this. We'll get to the next scene. And then we'll do a bunch of therapizing. Uh, I got asked to do a presentation on self-care. Mm -hmm. I hate those fucking presentations. Because the number one thing, uh, you know, self-care means you got to add more shit. That means you got to add more to your plate. We're already busy. We're already tired. And so one mm -hmm. of my girls asked me a long time ago, I hate these presentations. I ain't got no time, no energy to do any of this. I said, you're right. So the number one thing for self-care is, is cutting things off your plate, period. Whether it be a person, homework assignment, club, sporting event, you know, maybe you're going to cut some workouts out for that week. Uh, you know, it's usually moderating things, setting boundaries. It's usually cutting things off. You start to cut things off, you're going to feel a lot better. How am I supposed to, you're already busy and ain't sleeping. I'm supposed to tell you to do more shit. I'm going to tell you to journal. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I get self-care and coping, folks. Don't don't get mad at me. I obviously highly recommend all those things. And I have my students do them with also setting limits. Mm. And when people don't respect those limits, that's when you know they're more like Russ. They're using you. Mm-hmm. They're using you for their own stuff and promotion where Jimmy was promoting his ass everywhere he went and I'm propping him up, right? It was different. He was a better father figure. Uh, he still used him a little bit too, but he was a better father figure, better role model. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get into that last scene and then we'll tie it all together. Yes. So last scene, uh, so after Jimmy was killed by frank um it's then they go to prison and they've been there for a long time um as we see in the scene they're very much older like decrepit at that point um 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 and they're just and one of their like big traditions was that they eat bread and dip it in wine just like they did in italy italy so that was like one of the big things and then um then they're talking about how you know i choose i chose us over him fuck him fuck him um and then pretty much um uh russ dies in prison yeah uh, and goes to the church where I'm pretty sure he just knew he was going to, he probably just knew he was going to die at that yeah. point. That's the thing. A lot of people who, a lot of older people, like they just know when they're going to die. And then they're just like, 
I'm going. I'm going. And then I and I kind of wonder, I'm like, maybe I don't know. The guy pushing him was just like I don't know, maybe he had something to do with it too. Maybe he just got him sick or something like that. And then could have poisoned him who knows. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so um that was one of the things and then not this is off the scene, but and the movie ends with um Frank kind of talking like, oh, do you know who Jimmy Hoffa is? And they're like, no, because nobody really remembers anybody at this point. There's so much, so much shit. Um, but yeah, so this was a great scene because we were able to kind of get into the perspective of Russell because he has nothing really to lie about at this point. Um, like, why would he? Uh, um, and so he's really just saying like, hey, I made a choice. It was us or him. What are you gonna do? Yep. There you go. Yep. Uh, I thought it was a, a good ending to the scenes of their dynamic of the father son dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see myself doing that. I've done it many times. I choose me over them any day mm-hmm. of the week. I choose me over them, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. I choose my family over others. I choose my sanity over someone else's well being. And you can call me terrible for that. But I teach my clients this too. It's you before mm-hmm. anyone else. Not not all this. I'm going to give you, like Spence will say, 100%. I can't give you 100%. Then what's left mm-hmm. for me? Nothing's left for me? Yeah. yeah. No. That doesn't work like that. And I don't want you to give a, a, a 100% of yourself to me. You need to have yeah. some of that reserve for yourself. That way you can stay sane, to keep your identity, all that stuff. Um, but when he says, fuck him. And how slow it is. And then Robert De Niro is just looking at him because he's like, you son of a bitch. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. I don't, but since you're old, I'll respect you and I'll go along with it and I'll nod my head. But you can see there was discontent there in that moment. Mm-hmm. Also, it's funny because he's old. Right. I can only imagine moments like this when my father will increase where he'll just be talking about random stories. Yeah. Uh, and he'll just be mumbling stuff sometimes. And I assume that will increase over time. Uh, mm. And so when he was just like, fuck him. Yeah, I've heard that many of times. Certain things like yeah. that. Certain stories like that. It's also for them, kid. And I'm just like, yep, okay. 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 And then now I'm in the position where I'm calling the shots. And I'm like, fuck him. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, it's funny how the things switch as you get older. Mm-hmm. You start to maybe back then a lot of folks were resentful for some of the choices, but then as you get older, you're like, ah, shit, now that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense now. Um, I think in that scene, I think it was also precious to see how cute they still were together, eating bread together, and his hands just shaking and. Yeah. And, and then he tells him, fuck him, right? He said, eat your food. Eat it. Eat. Mm-hmm. Hurry. Uh, enjoy it. And then they go back to eating. I think those subtle moments where people show emotion or intimacy or show trauma, right? It's very subtle when men do these things. It could be very quick. If you don't catch it, then the moment passes and you go back to doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was teaching an intern the other day on how to do this. On how to... If you're starting to break down or if they're starting to break down, how to let them get enough out and then redirect them and then bring them back. 
Mm-hmm. She's like, well, why would I do that? Because if they're just sitting there and they're like, one of those where they can't breathe, Christ, there, yeah. there's no, they can't talk, you can't talk. So when you start to see things, let them cry enough. Mm-hmm. Have them breathe. So just say, hey, let's breathe. You practice, you mirror it with them, just deep breathing. They're still going to be doing the freaking out thing. Then you ask them, so what's your plans for the rest of today? She's like, what? I said, yeah. Ask them what's their plans for immediately after this, step-by-step, itemized. Completely get them out of all their other crazy thoughts. What's your plan immediate for? What do you mean this weekend? No, I said literally right after this. What are you doing after this? Taking a shit after this? You going to eat after this? What are you doing? Wash your hands? I don't know. It gets people to relax because then they go and boom, it's like they dissociate. I said, in that moment, you will have bought yourself time too if you were going to cry. Mm -hmm. He said, for real? I said, yes. I said, example, today, we was sitting in a room and someone was falling apart. And I go, breathe. That person puts their head down. I put my head down. And then we both breathe. So that person's like, oh, you know, thank you, thank you. Later on, I said, it wasn't for you, you piece of shit. That was for me, so I didn't cry. You devastated me. They were like, why would you say this to me? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you know, I have feelings too. Uh, Everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. They also probably judged the hell out of me. Um, Go back to the second scene when Robert De Niro kept looking away. It's what I do. I'll be making eye contact, look away. That quick second buys me just enough of reprieve to where I don't fall apart. Um, I think in this moment, he's so good at dissociating from his emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frank, I really feel for the guy. He ends up losing everything. He loses all his bosses, his fathers, his family, his children. I mean, right, he tries to go to his children and like begs them, I want to make things better. And the one girl runs away from him. And the other daughter, mm-hmm. he can barely even walk. He's on those canes trying to talk to her, and she just tells him to fuck off. Then the mm-hmm. other daughter, he just says, I know it was a piece of shit. I was trying to do my best, and she just starts crying. Right. That would be a very depressing life. Imagine you would live your whole life, and then it would end with, all I did was bring pain. Gross. Yeah. Uh, three intense scenes. Mm-hmm. Good acting, good emotions. For those of you out there, here we go. Thinking that you know acting, it's real fucking acting here. Like my other students, I did a presentation. And they're like, "You, you have dry humor, don't you?" And I was like, "What?" They're like, yeah, this is real dry humor. I'm like, this is fucking funny. This is hilarious. What are you talking about? And I said, FYI, for you that's laughing, people to understand my jokes need a higher sense, higher rate of intelligence to be with me. And then so I pretty much just called the rest of them stupid and that one kid smart. The one kid goes like, I got you. And then the rest are like, what the fuck? Why would he call us stupid? Yeah. And my emails for that thing. So a bunch of them were good. One of them was like, he told us to fuck off. And I was like, did I? Jesus. Good. That's good. I also called you a bunch of fucking morons, too, you pieces of shit. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Fucking evals got snitched out. Uh, (laughs) 
it's 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 a it's a fun time uh being me and also being misunderstood at times uh, yeah so i'll wrap things up uh of what we talked about and then i'll kick it to you and then we will talk it some up okay the big metaphors wrote it down uh where we're looking at the First scene where it's the parent figure, the father figure, right? I, I helped you. I made you who you are. You are awesome. You are strong. You know how strong you are? No one ever fucked mm. with you. No one. No one. And because you're you're powerful now. You're intelligent enough. You've grown. So that would be a parent like knowing or respecting their child and like, hey, it's you're good now. Like you don't need me anymore. Uh there's a song by forgive me. Is his name Aloe or Alo Block? Black, black. I think it's yellow, black. Yellow, black. I think There's so. a song called uh, "I Think I Told Dom About It." I did. We did a pod. It's called "Mama Hold My Hand." Mm. It's right. You got to hold the kid's hand for a while, and then you don't want to because you're embarrassed and you're on your own. But then eventually, you know, you got to hold their hand again because now they're old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good representation of 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 moving forward. It's a good representation of completing the end of therapy. Or like one of my clients, he said, we've been doing this for a year now. I, I think I want to try it without therapy. I said, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, I tried to kick you out. You started crying. <laughs> <laughs> and now you want to go without? I said, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're good. You've been good for a long time. You don't need me anymore. I told you that. You said... I said, but why do you want to change now? She said, I want to prove to myself that I don't need you. Should you don't need me. And if you ever do, all you got to do is send me an email and I'll talk to you again. They haven't sent me an email. It's been uh, at least three months. I assume nice. they're good. Assume they're, they better fucking send me an email with the wedding pictures. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kept those motherfuckers together. Uh, uh, the next big metaphor is is the crying scene. So, right, when they're sitting down at the table, I just talked about is dissociating, relaxing, and calming yourself. Also, the metaphor when they're making the salad, like, his hand's all up in that motherfucker's head. It's all up in that salad. Yeah, it is. I'm like, damn, man, do you you still got gunpowder on there? <laughs> trying to mix it all in. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, I can't read no more. <laughs> um, another good metaphor for neurodivergent folks and liking schedule, um, Jimmy. Hoffa would be very good for folks to relate to with the obsessiveness. The the stoic would be more of the frank. The emotional and deregulating would also be Jimmy, right? And so if you're blowing up and you're having like spectrum meltdowns, like some of us do, that would be a good uh, person to relate to. Um, And then the last one is, you know, I thought about us as friends. Yeah. Right? Because we ain't going to be hoping. <laughs> Sorry, that's a low, that's a low gut. We ain't gonna be hooping. We we ain't gonna be. We just we might be eating slow. I I can't even eat pizza. I ate pizza the other day. I threw up. Mm. Jesus. So like, uh, what are we gonna be eating? We gonna be eating baked baked goods? I can't want to be able to eat a fucking croissant. I just be we just gonna be eating bread. Sitting outside a coffee shop. Can't have the coffee because the acid messed my stomach up. So I'm going to be oh drinking God, tea, man. tea and Jesus. bread. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't even eat bread at this point. Yep. <laughs> you can eat air. Just I'm telling you. Man, I thought about that. I was thinking about weird stuff like that. I'll leave this in the pot. I was thinking about some weird stuff. I was like driving. I think it was the other day. It's like, I wonder mm-hmm. who's going to die first. <laughs> but all my friends, I was like, I feel like I'm going to die first. I was like, why am I thinking about this? I was like, I have yeah. no idea. I was like thinking about wills and writing up some things and this and that. And I was like, yeah, if anyone's going to have a heart attack, it's going to be me. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. How I was on a full weird cycle. I wasn't sad. I was just like strategizing, like statistically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just as we're talking about it, you know. You know. So, I don't know, man. I was thinking about all these old decrepit bastards. I also thought I seen this picture. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Splinter. It's a cartoon drawing. Someone drew it. So it was Splinter holding the Ninja Turtles' hands when they're like little tiny kids. Right. So I, I mean, they're already thirteen in the show, sixteen. Yeah. So they might have been like five. And then it was mm-hmm. a picture of them being big adults, right? Technically teenagers. And then him being like old and hunched over, and then them holding his hand. Mm-hmm. I thought about that when they're all in the prison. Hopefully, we're not in prison. <laughs> This is taking a, such a weird route to end. Jesus. My ADHD is like pinging everywhere right now. Yeah, I see that. Hopefully, I so don't know. All what, of the people listening, they're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, right like, how do I, I don't know what we picture us doing. I feel like we're going to be sitting down. Okay. And we'll be eating or maybe not eating anything. You fucking idiot. God. <laughs> So many people dying in the show. I know. Maybe it'll be more like uh, from life when they're just two idiots at a baseball game. Also, yeah, how the hell did they get one. into the upper stands? I don't. What do you mean how they got into the upper stands? So, there's no way their old asses walked all the way up those bleachers. There could be an elevator. It must have been. They were in the nosebleeds. <laughs> uh also, for that movie, why did they wait so long to, like, escape? Like, no one cared at that point. No. <laughs> like, sorry, God, could have left 10 years before. Could have been fine. Would have been, been fine. fine. Would have been fine. Could have did the same exact setup. Uh, yeah. They advertise it. Yeah. And then uh, we'll get out shortly after this. Uh, Iris Lake, tons of PTSD. Uh, not PTSD, just trauma, because Ray's not having any of the flashbacks. Um right. There's a lot of intimacy stuff uh, that's going on with Frank and all of them. There's some insecurities that are going on. There's definitely high, high, high toxic stress that probably will cause most of them in reality to die earlier deaths, even though they're all very old at this age. Statistically, these days, there's no way. You got people dropping dead and having cancer so early now. It's 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 True. the genetic traumas have been passed down. The foods have gotten worse. There's a lot of different things. So there's no way someone could deal with that much stress. Um when you see people that are under that much stress at a younger age, uh, they have extreme higher rates for cancer, obesity, heart attack, stroke, uh, because their body produces this cortisol. The cortisol ends up increasing all these other terrible things within our body. So you would see all this different trauma. Uh, the, the treatment plan for a lot of these things, if they don't already have generalized anxiety, they probably do. There's probably some panic attack disorder that's going on as well. When mm-hmm. you see Frank, just staying up all night because he knows what he has to do. A lot of folks are going to understand that scene because they have anxiety and can't sleep with a damn. Um, most people in those positions or things are going to need some type of medication and long-term therapy. 
Uh, obviously, as we talked about, different jobs, resources. Uh, the mob doesn't have a good retirement package. No. It's like, yeah. you're either dead or in jail. Yep. And as they said, you know, it's, you're always trying to claw up, mm-hmm. but you're always still looking back down to make sure no one comes up. It, it puts you in this weird, toxic, competitive thing. Uh, and I feel like that's like that for a lot of us. We're always in that fight. We don't want anyone to take our spot. Some people could use this as one of the metaphors that we use for people of color. Uh, or actually technically white folk is, you know, people don't want to give up any of that pie and mm-hmm. they don't want to give up any of the privileges or this or that, because if other people start have feeling more equitable and having more opportunities and chances, then those jobs or things will, as they get higher and higher, will come to more brown folk. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of folks that are scared of that um, because it'll be more competition. And who the hell wants more competition? Shit, I don't even want more competition. I'll be real with you. I hope none of y'all graduate. Fuck y'all. I'm talking y'all down right now just so you don't make it through school. Use your job out and, and open up an art studio. Yes. Yes, that's tons of money going towards art studios. <laughs> yep. Tons. Um, suspense, I'm going to kick it to you. Uh, yes. I assumed you enjoyed the movie. I did. I was surprised at how much emotion was in it, lack of emotion was in it. Now that we've been doing this podcast, actually, technically, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the podcast, not the YouTube channel. Um, I know you're looking at movies and shows differently now, right? When we're looking at things and we're Mm -hmm. seeing emotions and breaking down how we can use this metaphorical. Yeah. There was a lot in that show. There's probably 100 scenes that we could use. Oh, yeah, totally. Did you like my selection of things? Or would you prefer yeah. that we have done something else from the show? Let me think. I have to think a little bit back towards the movie because it's been a minute since I've seen oh, it. Yeah, I forgot. My um, bad. No, you're good. But honestly, you could always do... I mean, if you wanted to do like a funny scene or something like that, you would have done like the watermelon scene. <laughs> he hates fucking watermelon. Or Jimmy Hoffa, one of his guys. <laughs> okay, Jimmy does not drink. All right, he does not drink. So what I do? So he just puts a whole bottle of vodka in a watermelon. She's like, he hates fucking watermelon. And uh, that was probably a, that would have been a funny scene. Um, but maybe some Jimmy Hoffa scenes probably would have been good too. Um, just so that we could also have a look into like maybe his attitudes for people that haven't seen him or Al Pacino's portrayal of him yep. on the show. And then I also looked up that uh, he was German and Irish. So, oh, there you go. Mutt. So, I have hence the you people because he's in prison. You people always trying to get over this and that. I wonder oh, yeah. where that racism Irish. stuff came from. Irish don't like the, the Italians. Oh, and everyone hates everyone. It's fucking terrible. I'm not saying that to excuse anyone. Of the racism, right. like literally, the internal racism and hate for people is eons and eons. It's a way to segregate people. It's easy to have an enemy instead of an ally because if you have an ally, then True. you got to, yeah, it's, it's fucked up. So that makes more sense. Ooh, right. so that also makes more sense why he was very fearful of Frank being friends with him because they was both Irish. Yeah, both Irish. 
and then yeah i would probably say that's a big thing um but yeah i think the whole daughter scenes that was probably like where it really manifested from because we saw early on that he was trying to get her attention with money and stuff like that but some in somehow instinctually she knew he was like a piece of shit mm-hmm. um, which i'm like kind of i always wondered about i'm like were you like intuitively just smarter than everybody else little girl hmm? maybe you never know um or she just knows that he makes his dad or he makes her dad yep. do bad things so maybe that's the kids it. know yeah uh, i think I, I brought it up before but then you brought it up now too i think a good scene we could have did for folks that go back and watch the movie mm-hmm. it's wonderful to watch the acting lots of drama in it it's long it's like three something hours three and a half hours long um yeah it's pretty long but the daughter she grows up terrified of her father terrified of russ uh, and then right. she likes Al Pacino's character, but you see anytime there's something bad or a murder that happens, she just stares at her dad and it's this weird thing. And then eventually, you know, he has to kill Jimmy and she knows. Yeah. yeah. And after she it goes definitely. public, they never talk again, ever again. Uh, yeah. I feel like that would be a good episode for many different reasons on why parents and children don't talk. It could be because a religious split, mm-hmm. uh, sexuality split, partners, a racist split, right? There could be many different reasons on why parents and them split. On different ideologies, um, maybe the way they treated the mother or their father, whatever. But that would be mm-hmm. a good one because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people know what it feels like to cut their parents off or their parent to right. cut the children off. That would be a good one. I wanted to do this one. Um, yeah, of course, this she would be a close second. The third would be all the funny moments because me and you talked right. about how Spielberg and all them, they just had a bunch of funny moments in there. And I was like, what the? F-? Yeah, oh, sorry, not Spielberg. Scorsese. Sc- uh, Scorsese, yeah. Yeah, Scorsese, he knows how to just make like some of the most horrific stuff funny. Yeah. yeah like just in like... Casino, where he had a guy in a vice grip, his head in a vice grip. And he, I was like, how the fuck do you make that seem funny? He was like, yeah, I was just. Picking at his balls with ice pick. You're like, what the fuck is this? Also, it was actually kind of cool seeing Al Pacino, or I'm not Al Pacino, um, uh, Joe Pesci in more of like a chill role. It was nice to see him uh, as a boss to me too, instead of always the underling. Yeah, because he's always been the underling, or, you know, he's always been like the crazy fucking, like, I'll scab your fucking eyes out and all that <laughs> shit. And, you know, it's kind of cool just to see him finally um, older. Um, but then also in a more chill boss role yep. rather than his other roles that he's had. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I, I agree with it. Um, all right, folks. So we did. This was more of a metaphorical thing. We did dive into some different therapies uh, for it. Um, it would be any of those situations would be devastating uh, to go through. I think the connection between a therapist, a parent, child and all that. Mm-hmm. Good metaphors to use. I wonder if any of you who are watching this uh, and then you go back and watch the movie, do those scenes stick out to you? Mm. Do you feel the emotions like I did, right? Those were impactful moments, very intimate moments. When we're talking about emotional intimacy, those were all very emotionally intimate scenes. Just emotional intimacy doesn't always have to be good. Intimate scene could also be intense, the intensity Mm. of the scene. Um. Go back and say, watch it with our lens. I think I need to start pushing people to do that more. Is when you're watching yeah. the shows and movies, maybe try to use our uh, minds um, mm-hmm. when you're looking at these things. As Spence said, he's always watching to enjoy. Now, since we've mm-hmm. been doing this, he's like, fuck, it's like work. 
Yeah, I know. Like, God damn, we could use that. Shit. Yeah, let me write this shit down. Yeah. People, you get kicked out of the theater because they think you're some fucking creepy guy writing shit. Yeah, blonde in the front seat. Front seat looking good. Mm. Yeah. That big mother bald motherfucker. Oh my god. Those are Nas's notes, by the way. Yeah. You see that girl's feet. Alrighty. With that. Wrap it up. Always end on a high note. Um thank you everybody for watching. Uh please subscribe to our channel. Like our page or our post, whatever. Um, also, if you can donate, we would love it. You know, we always are looking for donations. So hit that donate button wherever it is. I'm on my knees. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you're just an Italian guy on his knees. Wonder what yeah. you're doing. Um, uh, so, and also, please buy our merch. Um, you can go on our website and you can just click on shop and then click on one of our merch links and that'll get you there. Um, so with that, thank you so much. I'm Spencer. That's Nas. This is the Different Spectrums podcast. Much love, people. Peace. Bye.